Attention listeners, do you ever find yourself struggling to decide what to watch on a Saturday night when you're in the mood for horror? Or perhaps you're trying to round out your own horror film education. In either case, I'm sure you'll be able to make some great discoveries in my 10x10 horror watch list, featuring a breakdown of the 10 favorite horror movies from 10 renowned horror directors. We did a deep dive of the favorite horror movies from directors including Guillermo del Toro, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, Quentin Tarantino, James Gunn, Rob Zombie, Martin Scorsese, and many, many more. Here you'll find a collection of each director's favorite horror movies, along with quotes about what they appreciated about the films, all in an easy-to-reference PDF that you can download absolutely free. Featuring a mix of well-worn classics and deep cuts, hopefully you'll discover some overlooked gems and look at old classics through new lenses. Download the 10x10 Horror Watch List for free by visiting nicktaylor.com slash horrorguide. That's nicktaylor.com slash horrorguide. Welcome to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. As always, each episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show explores how today's horror filmmakers are getting their movies made while deconstructing their methods and career strategies into practical insights that you can use on your own horror filmmaking journey. This includes their creative processes, funding resources, favorite books and tools, key life lessons, and much, much more. Kevin Lewis is the director of multiple features, including The Method, Downward Angel, The Drop, and The Third Nail. Last year, Kevin wowed the horror crowd with Willy's Wonderland starring Nicolas Cage. And now, Kevin is back in the director's chair with his latest creation, The Accursed. When Ellie is asked by a family friend to spend a few days looking after an elderly woman living in a remote cabin, she readily agrees, thinking a short trip to the woods will be a nice escape. But the cabin turns out to be anything but relaxing as Ellie begins hallucinating in ways that blur reality with her dreams. As the visions take over, Ellie realizes that she was lured there by a demonic presence hiding inside of the woman just waiting to break free. I loved this movie. And it's hands down one of my favorites of the year. The Accursed is a refreshingly, unabashedly fun horror movie that delivers fun and scares in equal measure on like a Sam Raimi level. The Accursed is streaming on VOD beginning tomorrow, October 14th, and I recommend you put it toward the top of your Halloween watch list. The first five minutes alone are worth the price of admission. So this is actually my second time speaking to Kevin. And if you haven't listened to the first episode with him, I actually recommend hearing this one first. This talk with Kevin turned out to be one of the most practical and inspiring conversations I've ever had on the podcast. Kevin is just so the real deal when it comes to directing and his level of enthusiasm is infectious and he has very many wise words for all of us. I really love this episode and will return to it frequently. Without further ado, here is director of The Accursed, Mr. Kevin Lewis. Kevin Lewis, great to see you again. How are you? Good to see you, Nick. 
How uh, how does it feel having the accursed in the bag? That felt like a pretty comprehensive project. How are you feeling right about now that it's out or coming out? I'm very I'm very excited that uh, we, we finished this and now you know everybody gets to check out what we've been working on. So yeah, it's 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 good. Sweet. Well, I got to tell you, from minute one of the movie, the movie just grabs you instantly. I mean, cut all the foreplay out. It's just moment one. <laughs> Boom. That opening sequence, I think, was one of my favorite opening sequences in a movie in a long time. It's so instantly gripping and just awesome. And it just it completely had me. And you didn't let up. I mean, the the momentum of the movie was uh, was great. And um, yeah, I couldn't help but think like right before the credits start, like, fuck, that is how you open a movie. (laughs) Well, Nick, it's interesting you said that because that's what got me wanting to make the film. I read Rob Kennedy's script. I read the first uh, seven pages. George Lee, a producer on the film, gave me the script. And uh, I read the first seven pages, and I was like, I got to make this movie. Wow. It's just like, I just I got to do this film. I just love that whole opening. And uh, that's really pushed me to, to make that movie. Wow. The first seven, seven minutes. So that whole thing about how you need to grab your reader within the first, like, ten pages is actually mm-hmm. true because it's what got yeah. this movie made or got your attention on the movie yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I, when I when I read that, the script delivered the whole way through. But when I read that, I was like, "Wow, it's like a mini short film unto itself." Yeah. Because it's a different, it's a it's a separate story, and then we go into Ellie and Beth's story, and then the journey, and then it all ties into it. But it was its own little mini movie. But it made sense thematically because at the third act, we're going to go back there, right? Yeah. And in fact, the whole movie we're back, we're there. Um, and the, but the third act has more of that vibe that the, that the opening sequence does. So I like films that have that thing where it opens up and then you watch a film and you're watching the story, you kind of forget about it. But then that thing comes back. Oh, yes, I remember that. Right. right? And it ties it together. It's not just thrown in. That's what I liked about that script is that I, when I read The Accursed, I was like, wow, okay, this all makes sense now. And that opening is its own little separate story. Yeah. You know, which is really cool. So I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I noticed that about it too. It it basically it was a fully contained story in the first like five minutes. It had a beginning, yeah. middle, end, climax. And yeah. if that was that could have been somebody's short film. That could have been just like Absolutely. a real badass short totally, film. That's right, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's how you prologue, listeners. You uh, <laughs> you deliver a full story <laughs> at the very beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the other thing I noticed about the movie that was so refreshing, you're bringing fun back into horror. I mean, the movie was a lot of fun. It's like a roller coaster mm-hmm. ride. And I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mean to knock horror movies that you know rely on you know more brooding tones and slow burns and things like that. I enjoy mm-hmm. those for sure. But this was just mm-hmm. like you know, Barbarian was kind of similar. It took a it took a minute, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, I feel like fun is coming back into cinema kind of in or in horror kind of in the Sam Raimi kind of a way. Yeah. Well, you know, with Willie's with Willie's, you know, it it was a fun movie from get beginning to end. This one, I want to do a little bit more of a serious tone, a little bit more darker, you know, but still have that cinematic fun vibe to it, you know, but it is more of a heavy uh, subject matter, you know, Um, but that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you like that. Yeah. Well, my question was around pacing. Yeah. Because the movie, it does get legitimately scary. There there are kind of very, there was very intentional tension building 
but then there's there's really fun sequences as well. So when it comes to horror, pacing is of the utmost importance. So I was wondering what was your approach to pacing and how did you kind of nail that? I mean, I feel like a lot of it is is you know relies on the editor, but how did pacing sure. factor into your approach to this movie? Well, the whole idea is right. You got to go in with the journey with the characters and 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 what they're experiencing and I wanted to feel real. I wanted to feel that we wanted to get into Ellie's skin and what she, she was experiencing as the audience. And, and then the whole thing with the mother thing that's going on with her, you know, that I wanted to hint at that and then, and, and build to that. So it's all kind of about building. It's kind of like, you know, it's like tension and release tension and release. Right. So I kind of went through the script. It's interesting. You're saying about pacing because I went through the script and I kind of, check mark the scares mm. not that they're gonna be jump scares like the cat coming out through the closet stuff because right. that's never the script and that's not what i wanted to do i wanted to do make more of an emotional moody tone thick thick movie that had a disturbing and kind of unsettling tone from the get and it mm. never let up i like that i like atmosphere and so that's what i really want to inject in, in the in the script so I went through the script and I kind of just said, okay, this is scare mode, this is scare mode, this. Okay. That, you know, in the, in the beginning, the script of mom, you never saw her. It was just the voice, but we're in, you know, in showing and not telling, right? right. That's movies. It's visual. So the idea is let's inject the mom a little bit more. Let's, you know, so kind of going back and say, like, okay, is this too much? You know, there's sometimes you can just go way too much and just it will wear an audience out and exhaust right. them. And I didn't want to do that but I wanted them to keep up with the pace and the story. So it's, it's a lot of ebbs, ebbs and flows, you know, but I wanted that, that one tone of just kind of dread through the whole film. And I feel we got that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. I feel like you were able to balance so many things. I mean, there was scares. Yeah. There was a lot of fun. Yeah. It didn't seem to be intentionally humorous, but there's like a kind of go back to Sam Raimi. There's like an undercurrent of humor without it <laughs> yeah. trying to be funny, but it also yeah. gets very dramatic at the same time. I mean, there was yeah. you, you mix and matched everything beautifully. I mean, I yeah. gotta say, like there's a real sophisticated balance of all of those ingredients. How uh, how intentional was all of that, or did it all just kind of come together? Well, you know what's funny. So when I decided to do the movie and we started it, I remember putting something on my instagram page and i had i had like the three men and the baby but it was uh sam raimi dario gento and james wan and then they had a demon baby <laughs> and i just i when I, I i read that script i just felt like a little bit of this a little bit of that a dash of this a dash of that you know and it's an old ghost story right and it's got kind of a 70s vintage horror i love those movies of like of course the exorcist rosemary's baby the changeling the omen if I wanted to make more kind of a grounded horror movie mm -hmm. in that vibe, but keep that cinematic fun, like you said, a little bit, you know, um, and because, you know, of course, with Willie's, but I just didn't want to. This is not Willie's Wonderland. This is a completely different animal, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, it is about the balance and tone. And, um, you know, you've got to you've got to strike the right balance. Working with the with the actors was great, too, because it was like, OK, we can cut this line off because you can say this in a look, you can do this. You know, the actors were fantastic because they got, you know, the two Sarah's uh, Sarah Gray and Sarah DeMont, 
they became really good friends, you know, and, you know, they would be talking and you would, you'd walk in, I swear, Nick, you'd walk in and be like, oh, they're just having a conversation with two Sarahs. No, they're reading their lines. They're wow. running their lines. Like they just, they just got that. You know, I'd, I'd pick up the headphones and they would be going back and I'd be like, man, it just sounds like they're at a coffee shop just talking. And that, that was great. That's what I wanted, you know? So we really, all of us, the cast worked on that, trying to make it as believable and as real as possible. Yeah. Well, how did yeah. you get your, I feel like with movies like this that have a very specific tone, a challenge can be getting all of the actors on that same level, you know, on the level yeah. of the tone so that there's that, yeah. you know, um, cohesiveness in the performances and consistency. So how mm -hmm. did you convey mm -hmm. the tone to your actors and make sure they kind of stayed within that universe that you created? I kept using the word elegant. I wanted to make like an elegant horror film. I wanted to make a movie that really was unnerving and it got to psycho psychology and to the core of, of kind of what makes us tick. Because I think horror movies are dramas, but they're just dark dramas. They throw supernatural elements in or mm. maybe a hacker slash or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's about the human condition. Right. So I knew that if we get the human condition, if we get these these characters and it's about the sins of the mothers or visit on the daughters. If we can get that and we can believe that and stuff, I'm going to have, I have a movie. So whether you have the magic in or the magic out, the, the, cause it's funny, the opening sequence was definitely, it was more visceral and I wanted to make it more visceral. I want to make it definitely more evil dead camera flying in and things like that. Of course, you know, on a, on a, restrained schedule shooting a movie sometimes it's tough to do that and you've got to pick your battles but there's also kind of a harry potter element to it it was like take this magic elixir and do this and that but that was great and i loved it but i knew i broke the props hearts actually the the prop people's hearts you know because uh madeline she was fantastic because she'd come to me she's like okay i got this i got that I'm like, oh, cutting that you know we're gonna do it this way because i didn't have time right mm -hmm. and but i knew at the end of the day it's about those characters. It's about what's going on. And if I can, I could got to concentrate on that. So, um, I, it was more kind of a Harry Potter vibe to it, mm. the, the opening and through the movie. Right. Um, but I, I was like, okay, we don't need that. I can save this. I think as a director, as a filmmaker, you just got to know what's important. You right. know, you've got to go, especially on a budget, you know, and, and, and time schedule making indie movies, you know, you don't have the luxury of a studio. And it's, it's, it's just amazing to me, you know, back in the day, you can sit for a, a whole day on a, on a shoot and wait till the sun goes down to get one shot. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine, you know, it's like our budget on this movie, you know, was the freaking, you know, catering budget for Top Gun on, on, in a day. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Like, right. it's just like, it marvels. So you just gotta be fast and quick and, and figure out. So with the actors, they were all wonderful. And I, I sent them emails telling them about the story and the characters and, Mina asked, asked me something interesting. She's like, is there any character in film or something that Alma, that you can relate and compare? And I said, Nurse Ratchet. Oh, wow. I just felt that that was like the vibe. Because Nurse Ratchet is like, she's crazy, mm -hmm. but she believes she's right. And she's on this path and she's never going to give up, right? And, and I always thought that Alma was the kind of person that like, you're having a fan, you know, one of those parties where everyone's mingling and having a good time. Yeah. And you got that one person that comes in and they're, they're like the outer circle and like, they're trying to get into the inner circle and then everybody gets, get that kind of creepy weird vibe. And then people kind of disperse. Right. You know? Like that's Alma. Like that was Alma to me, you know? Wow. So 
So I was just trying to get, so you're asking like, how'd I get that? Like I was just trying to the actors about Ellie and the purity, you know, and it's like, you know, she's kind of naive, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, you look at a movie like this and it's like, don't go to the cabin, you know, the bad thing's going to happen to the cabin. But people do that all the time, yeah. you know, they, they, especially when you're younger, right? So just trying to tap into that. And Beth is like her best friend and just unwavering and just loyal, you know. And what's interesting about that is I like the idea that they didn't talk about boyfriends. Right. They didn't talk about, you know, things. You could make the argument that maybe Beth has a crush on Ellie or vice versa, or maybe they did or they're going to. I mean, I don't know. You could do that. Mm -hmm. you, you you could just, they're friends. Like, there's a lot to read into it. Yeah. As an audience member, I've always liked that, you know? So, um, so anyways, I just explained that to all the, the actors involved and, and kind of wanted to hear what they had to say, got their feedback. And we thought about it and talked about it in depth, you know? Uh, yeah. So. And it was also great to see Mina Suvari again. I feel like I haven't seen her in a minute. Oh, man. She's so great. You know, she was kind of, you know, you had this two Sarahs hanging out, whatever, yeah. but then you had Mina on the side, and she's just doing her own thing, you know, because Alma is the outcast and whatever. And she had these, like, Nazi boots on and <laughs> stuff, and she would just get into it. But Yeah. And it was so inspirational to see her, her performance because she would just go for it, man. And that's what she told me. She's like, I really want to go for it on this. I'm like, that's great. Let's do it. You know? So it was cool. That's awesome. That's what you want in an actress. That's amazing. So how did this movie come about? How yeah. did you, yeah. how did this movie get on your radar? How did, uh, how did you, how did the movie happen? So a good friend of mine, uh, producer George Lee, brought it to me, and he and his partner Marcus Englefield, um, they, they were going to produce it along with uh, uh, Jeremy Ross, so three uh, producers and myself. And we started a, a company called Blood Red on it uh, to make horror movies. And I just, George brought me that script, and I read it, and I loved it. And I talked to Rob, the writer, and uh, he was excited to get it going, and I just really was passionate about it, you know, and... Uh, from that on, I was like, we got to make this film, you know, and we just pushed it along. You know, we were going to shoot in Buffalo and we just turned out we did Savannah, which I was really happy with because it's got that vibe. Oh, yeah. You know, of that kind of haunted horror vibe, old school. Those weeping willows um, and yeah. That thick. Yeah, it's great. You know, um, what's cool about that was we built the cabin. There was a, a school, elementary school. And it closed down. Church bought it. It was during COVID. So the church had their sermons outside. So we took over the, the school inside. So in the gym, we built the cabin. So oh, Burns, wow. my production designer, and his team, Benji and such, they, they yeah, we built the whole cabin. And it was kind of cool because it like, reminded me of Evil Dead 2 yeah. you know, uh, when they did the, the cabin. I think they did it in a school high school gym too. But uh, so that was cool. So I got to move the the walls and, and do stuff. And it was great. I had my same team on Willie's. I had Dave Newbert, who was the DP of nice. Willie's. He shot it. I had Ryan, um, uh, Ryan Liebert who, who cut Willie's. He was the editor. I had M. who scored Willie's and was the voice of Willie's. He, he did the music. It was really fun to bring the creating t the team back to do the, you know, cause we just had such a great time on Willie's together. So that's awesome. You know, once you reach a shorthand with a, a crew, like, hey, oh, on to awesome. the next. Yeah. You said yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. So you built the cabin inside the gym. Did you shoot the cabin nighttime exteriors in the gym as well? Because those looked fantastic. 
Yeah, no. So we got a we got a place that looked like it on the exterior. So we shot another location on the, ex, the for the exterior. Oh, and the okay. Interior, we built. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, those night exterior yeah. shots, which are notably hard to do, yeah. those looked really, really good. So yeah, yeah your DP slayed, yeah. slayed it. Yeah. How was yeah. uh, shooting in Savannah? Oh man, it was great. Again, it has this vibe if walls could talk, right? It just oh, yeah. feels like the ghosts. There's just so much that in the past that went on there, history. And so you can just feel it. It's in the air. Um, uh, I had a great time in Savannah and I just, and it, it added another character, a layer to the movie, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's such a nice plus to have with certain places like Savannah or Charleston mm-hmm. or Salem, you know, those kind of spookier yeah. places, you know, it finds its yeah. way into the movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you made, I think Willie's came out in 2021, about a year ago or so. Yeah. 2020, mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. And now it seems like you're yeah, making yeah. some fantastic momentum. I mean, Willie's came out. Now you have The Accursed. You have Oak around the corner. Uh, there's a movie you're doing with Chris Stuckman that was announced. I mean, mm-hmm. you, lots of momentum. Um, can you talk about your, um, like, this might be a strange question, but. I feel like, you know, talent is really, really important in this industry, but there's also other things that producers really look for in directors, like reliability, accountability, you know, professionalism and things like that. So what would you kind of, aside from talent and how good Willie's was and and, and all the other movies, but from like, from a professionalism perspective, what do you think it is that are are getting all these producers to green light? all these multiple projects because you got, you have this and two, you have like three movies on the way, which is just, it's incredible momentum. So what is it about you? That, I know it's a strange question, but what is it about you that you think is leading to all of these green lights? Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, you gotta have passion, right? That's number one, you know, movie making is very hard. It's very difficult. You know, it's not these Hollywood premieres walking around and stuff. I mean, it's, 24 seven in the mud, in the dirt. Right. Um, so you gotta have passion. I have passion for the projects that I'm working on. I really do. Um, I'm also, you know, I, I also come from a background with the independent worlds. Like I know a budget, I know, you know, things, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of time. You know, I respect that. You know, when I yeah. sign on something, it's like, I know, okay, this is what it's going to be. And I, it's my duty, you know, to do it. It's just like, you sign a loan and you're signed for something and it's like, well, nobody explained me, you know, the directions. Well, at the end of the day, I signed for it. You know, I'm responsible. I I believe in that, you know? And so um, I take a fiduciary duty, especially when it comes to budgets with the producers to heart, you know, I'm in that. I, I, one thing is I love about like Spielberg, like with Raiders, like he did it, he, he brought it under time, under budget. Wow. made Raiders, you know? So I've always admired that in directors, you know, directors it's it, yes it's an art absolutely it's an art but that's commerce right and it's show business there's all of it so you have to take all that you know in i think too you've got to be a good manager of people mm. right um especially on an independent film everyone counts everybody counts no matter what but on an indie film if someone says you know what i'm out the grip says i'm gone or whatever it's like what are you going to do you're going to grip you know so the point is, is that you need to treat people with respect, okay? And you all have to work towards a singular goal, you know, a goal that you're the captain of the ship, yes, but everyone's there to support you and help you. <clears throat> and you have to convey 
I believe that message and that goal to people so they get it and they're on that board with you. Mm-hmm. The worst is when you have conflicting, you know, ideas and when it's like, well, wait a minute, you didn't tell me that, you know. So there's a lot of preparation that goes into making these films because time is money, you know, right. and it's not like it's like I always like to talk about Willie's. It's like the shot, you know, when the the uh, pop can shot when he puts the pop in the in the, in the fridge. Well, mm-hmm. if I just showed up that day to say, let's go shoot that. I had this vision. I want to do that. Like, well, we have to saw the back of the fridge out. We got to light it. So it's like, well, I can't do that in the days I have. So, but if I prep it and tell them weeks before something like oh, this is best specific to me, can you get this done? So preparation is key, you yeah. know, um, and, and communication. At the end of the day, it's about communication and it's communicating your vision, your ideas and listening listening to the others, listening to your actors, listening to the producers, Yeah. not just saying, I've got this, this is what we're doing. You know, no, directing is not a dictatorship. You know, it's a team sport. It really is, you know, and uh, you need a great producing team. I had a great producing team on this. You need a great, great actors. You had great actors on this, a great crew. As I said, I brought all my guys back from Willie's. Um, you got to depend on these people, right? All yeah. working towards something. So, yeah, I'd say definitely preparation, communication, and listening are very big things that you need to be a filmmaker in the India world for sure. Yeah, you know? well, that's huge. Well, one thing I like to ask directors, because I feel like this is very pertinent in the indie filmmaking world, when you're working with limited budgets and a lot yeah. of potential for overtime and people doing yeah. multiple jobs and more than what they're paid for, how do you kind of balance that as a director, not being a dictator, but not being a pushover? You know, I feel like yeah. it's such a razor's yeah. edge because I think if you're like too yeah. cool of a guy and too fun, then you could, people yeah. could, you know, walk all over you. But if you're too much of a dictator, yes. then they'll tune you right out. How do you approach that balance? I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's human nature to push the limit sometime, right? right. So if someone's, if someone they they're going to push to see how far you can get but to me you always have to have a threshold it's like look mm. yeah you'll push me here but at this point no you know and you know you have to be firm you have to just say like this is what we need to do is it and and also own it yeah. you know it's like look if my idea is not right if you're telling me i we can't do this or whatever but we're doing it either i sink or swim on it i'll own it i'll fess up to it but just humor me and let's see it you know yeah. um and so so the, it is, it is a fine line on that. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to vision. You know, I think it's, I think it's important rather to have a vision and suck at it and fail at it than just don't have a vision at all. Mm. You know, I may have a vision, maybe it's not the right vision, but it's right for me that I'm going to do this movie. Now, if the movie's terrible or whatever, well, I have to own it, right? That's, that's me. It was my, what, what I wanted to do, but not to have a vision and just sit there and listen to this and that, and then just kind of mishmash of, of stuff and whatever. You'll never get anything done and anything worthwhile. Too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Right. So, so for me, it's just like you've got to have a vision. So I don't spark to a project until I have a vision. When I read that script or work on that script, and I can see the movie, and I go, "Oh, I get it. This is what it is. This is it." Then I'm on that road. And there's a lot of and as fellow filmmakers out there will know and, and will understand. I always feel like there's that road where you're on and there's people just trying to knock you off left yeah. and right. And you've got to just stay on that road, man. Stay on that path. 
you know, because it's better to stay on that path to get to a destination than be knocked off and be wandering around and never get to any destination. So, yeah. I feel like that's huge. Well, yeah. In our, uh, in our previous interview, we got into a lot of your history and your first few movies and, and getting mm-hmm. your, your initial movies off of the ground. Um, I'm curious now, all, the, all these years later, what were some of the ways you got through periods of just being stuck where you have the script and nobody's oh. returning the calls or they say, we'll oh. get you the money, but they don't get you the money. And how do you get through those time periods or what do you do to get unstuck rather? Well, it's funny, you know, because going to film school back in the day, I always felt that they should have a class called pass the class. Mm. The pass is basically filmmakers learning the word pass, you right. know, and how to deal with that word. Cause that's the nasty word, man. Um, and so I've had a lot of passes on projects. I had a lot of projects like we talked about, got up funding and then, you know, crumbled. So, um, it's hard, you know, um, one thing I love the movie, the big picture, and I don't know if a lot of people have seen it and it's now it's an older film, but with Kevin Bacon, um, and, uh, uh, Christopher Guest, I think directed it. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies about filmmaking. And there's a scene at the end where. He's this hotshot director, whatever, and they're trying to change his movie and everything. And then he gets cold and no one wants to deal with him and whatever. And he goes off and he reconnects with his girlfriend and, and has, basically has a life. Mm. And he goes on a trip. And in, in, in the movie, like I said, it's an older film, The Answering Machine. And he leaves his answering machine and the calls are coming in about his movie because oh, he did no. like a killer short film. And they're like, we got to see you. We got to blah, blah, blah. And he's off on his trip with his, with his girlfriend. And that was that meant a lot to me. And 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 so what what I what I mean by that is have a life. You've got to have a life. I have four kids. You cannot let this industry rule you. Mm. And there was a point where I did. There was a point where I waited by the phone, where I was waiting for everything. Where, you know, I'm older now, and Nick, it's just like, look, f it, man. It's like I, you know, I am who I am, man. And and it's like I'll do what I get. You know, I can't. There's so many different things too. Like now talking to actors and, and things like that and knowing know their process. It's like, it's funny. I had a dinner with an actor a couple of weeks ago and he was telling me how, I, I was telling him the frustration sometimes you get a script, you don't hear or this and that. He goes, well, Kevin, we don't know if it's going to get financed. We don't want to get attached to something and love it. And then it collapses. And I'm right. like, God, you know, you're right. I've never heard that from a point of view. And it makes complete sense they go through their stuff too. They like a part that they're dying to do and then it doesn't get made, you know? So I guess what I'm trying to say at the end of the day, it's, yes, it's hard. It's hard to say, but you can't give a, you can't give your whole life to it mm. because then they own you. Right. You have to be able to walk away. And, and, and so whether that is to go read a book, to spend time with your girlfriend, boyfriend, your loved ones, uh, to go in the sun, to go do a sport, whatever it is, have a life because mm. I believe that that life that you have will help you become a better filmmaker. I used to be the guy that was just live, breathe, sleep, eight movies. And that's mm-hmm. all I did. And that's great. And I learned a lot. I have film knowledge is wonderful, but it's not life. And movies at the end of the day to me are about life. And now I'm talking to the you know, older, I'm, I'm 51. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, these I'm talking, I'm, I'm thinking back to my, 30 year old self, my 25 year old self when I started making movies. And that's all I did. And now I have a life. I have four kids. I, I, you know, and so, you know, that, that helps me, you know, I'm not obsessed over 
you know, the script, they're not liking the script or the passes or this, that. Okay, that's fine. And I don't know what they're passing on. Are they passing on? It's just not the right thing. Did they even see it? I don't yeah. know. There's so many variables to this. It's amazing that any films get made. I've always said that. Yeah. Hats off to all the filmmakers that get any of their movies made because it's a miracle, right? Yeah. And then it's a, so then it's like getting the movie made, but then actually making a good movie. Right. You know, and that's why I feel really bad. Like these movies get ripped by critics. And it's like, God, you know, you don't know what happened. Maybe they started out with a great script and the yeah. producer messed it up or the actor said, no, I, I, you know, I want this to be about more and more of my character. The money guys came in. I mean, you don't know. We don't know. So all of that. And what is that? That's life. Mm-hmm. That's just going through life. So my, my advice would be get a life to, 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 to get something else to preoccupy you and that you feel nourished. So you right. can go back and maybe the script's not right. So you can go back and tackle it and get it, refine it, or maybe get a short film or get, get your reel cut better or whatever it is. You know, it gives you that perspective. And I think we also need time off of the industry. This industry can just grind you down oh, and yeah. grind you down. Now, it's funny. My, my, my son's a big gamer, you know, and I remember talking to him about his playing games and get so frustrated. And I said, just let it go. Drop it. Don't play it for a week or whatever. Come back. And he'd do it. He'd be like, Dad, I beat the game. It's like, exactly. You just need time off. <laughs> and that's kind of like filmmaking, man. It's yeah. just like, like, I need a break. You know, it's like, okay, people are passing on the script or something. They're passing on my reel. Or what? Okay, maybe something's just not clicking. So let me think about that. But I'm not going to get that answer right away. I've got to mm. think about that. And i got to give some time. So oh, I know wow. it's a long, bloated that is <laughs> such such good advice, and I feel like it's so counter yeah. to a lot of bad advice out there, which is, oh, you have to be dedicated and on and on and twenty four hours, blah 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 blah. I, yeah. I do think that there's something huge about taking time off, regrouping, recalibrating your mind, and that makes you more creative. You know, not to mention it's having- funny. Can I say can I say something about that? Please. I was at a film festival with my older one of my older films, Dark Heart, and I was there with John Dahl. I love John Dahl. He's made great movies, and I remember someone asked me about movies, and I was like, go for it. Just make it. You got to do it, you know. And Dahl's looking at me, and his eyebrows cocked up. He's looking at me like, "Are you crazy?" You know. And and it's funny because I still think you have to have that. You have to have that go for it mentality. Nothing's going to stop you for sure. But I get where he was coming from too. Now I'm older. I understand what what he was looking at, you know. So yeah. it, you know, my older self is now thinking about my younger self, right? And 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 talking of, you know, if I could give advice, but. Yeah, I think, and now we're in such a world where it's changed, but it's like, I call it empty calories, but like, Mm. there's just so much out there, so much content, so much things, you know, movies are coming out a dime a dozen, video games, all this stuff. There's so much to get our attention. And sometimes we just need to focus attention on ourselves and get centered and kind of just cut the, the, the noise away for a little bit, you know, and put the phone down. And, and, you know, my son went to a, a trip. He's a senior in high school. He went to this senior trip last week and they didn't bring the phones. And he was like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with my phone, you know, not have my phone, and all the guys. And it was like, it was liberating, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's what we need to do a little bit is just kind of get centered and think about things. Cause movie making, you know, it's very hard physically, mentally exhausting. And you've got to do something you love, man. You've got to have passion in that story that you want to tell. Yeah. you know, to get through it, you know? So, yeah, that's enormous. That's really huge. 
Is there anything that you, you'll you put your screenplays or stories through, either theory or making sure it adheres to, like, the hero's journey or something, or do you just mostly ride mm. on instinct? Instinct, and then I have friends that I send it to, and I get their opinions, and I, I really treasure treasure their uh, opinions and their, their foresight, their knowledge. Um, I really, I've got a close group of friends that I, that I really care about and I value their friendship and I value their opinions and I value their talent and honesty. Yeah. Honesty. They'll tell me, Kevin, this is crazy. Or, you know, it was like, or do you think about this? Or, you know, so I like to do that. Um, usually it's a script if I can see it, if I read it um, and I can envision it mm-hmm. really well, I'm like, okay, now I'm hooked. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Because, as artists, it's like, you know, we, we kind of have our emotions on our sleeves and you can get taken advantage of in this industry with that, right? Cause it's the motion picture industry. Um, and so, you know, what I was telling you about the actor, how, you know, well, they read the script and they loved it, but they don't know if it's going to get financed, you know, so they don't want to read it cause they don't want, you know, I get it, you know? So right. we're, we're an emotional industry where it's like, I have to be passionate about this script I'm going to do because it's so hard physically and mentally. I can't take a job to say, yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever I'll do. I'm not going to do a good job. I won't. So you have to give 110% of yourself on these projects, you know, and, and it's hard because you're kind of opening yourself up, you know? And, um, but as artists, I think that's what we have to do. And it is very, emotional attachment to things you know um and, it, and like yeah. i said there's a lot of moving pieces on making films it's the money that falls in the talent the location the tax credits i mean the, you name it the producers you, you know and so everything just that has to click in just right um and and again movie making is a team it's not a, a you know a a solo sport yeah. at all you know and you got to find a good team you know, that, 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 that adheres to your vision that you guys are on board uh, making the same movie. Cause that's the worst thing is you're working on something and then your teammate goes, no, I don't see it that way. It's mm. like, okay. And it's just like, you know, playing, playing football or something. And it's like, no, we're not going to do that, that pass. We're not going to do that play. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you know? Right. Okay. What are we doing here? You know? And then they miss the pass. So it's a team sport. Yeah. You now no, that makes all the sense in the world. Were there uh, in the last interview we talked? I think we talked a little bit about like autobiographies of other directors and filmmakers. Were there any in mm-hmm. particular, uh, whether they were actual books or autobiographies, or just other filmmakers, directors, producers that you were able to sort of model your career after, or or that were really meaningful for your career journey? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I, the, the directors I love is like you know Sam Raimi and Darren Aronofsky and, and Ridley Scott. You know, Danny Boyle. Those are the guys I love, um, and I just love their films, and I'll see anything they do. I think everybody has their own journey, you know? Yeah. Uh, mine's interesting because I started out in college. Right out of college, I made movies. You know, at that time, I made movies, and we talked about it before, but, you know, my movie sold a blockbuster back then, and that was a big deal, right? Yeah. And, uh and then it, I, I got, a, I kind of went on projects that didn't happen for some reason or another, and it was so frustrating. And I just kind of stepped away from it a little bit. 
And um, Willie's got me back in the game, which I'll always be grateful for. Um, the producer, Jeremy Davis, who brought me the script. Mm. And but what was cool is I got back in the game, but I had a new knowledge. I was older, a little wiser. And, and so I came at it with a different perspective. And things have changed. The business has definitely changed. And, but it's kind of cool that I, I have that. I mean, all my movies back in the day were shot on 35 film. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> that's like archaic at the point in itself. Either you Tarantino or Scorsese, or you're not doing film or Nolan, right? Right. Um, so, you know, coming at it with this new kind of, I say, attitude or, you know, experience, I feel has really helped me a lot. And it and I, and it shows you too that it's never it's never too late, and you never know what's going to happen. If you would have told me five years ago you're going to do Willie's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage, I'd have been like, whatever, you know. <laughs> but it did; it happened, yeah. you know. And um, so I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of like I'm on my second leg of the tour. You know mm. what I mean? Like I did my first tour, and I, and now I'm, I'm coming back and. I'm bigger, stronger, faster than ever. You know what I mean? Right, and so right. it can always, you never give up. You never give up your dreams. You never give up. Maybe you have to put them aside a little bit and take some time and that's fine. But you, you, you can, you never give up and I'm a testament to it. You know, if I gave up, then I would not be here right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had a long break and everything, but uh, you know, in a way it was good. You know, and I also think too, having kids, I get to see the youth. I'm more tapped into that than I'm just, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Like you get older and it's like, you're kind of just listening to your own music that you grew up with right. and you're, you're not really open to anything. And I feel like I'm more open than ever because I have kids and I'm really excited to like what they bring me or what they tell me sometimes I go, you got to be kidding me. But <laughs> uh, so, but uh trying to experience trying to make filmmaking and, and, and tackle it with that youthful zest, that right. zeal that I used to have and, and, and finding that. And then that's, and I st think I still do. The curse was very hard. We built that cabin shot nights. I mean, you know, you know, in the swamp, in the mud, you know, um, but we had a passion to tell that story, to tell that movie, you know, and, you do a movie like that that's very kind of emotional, you know, with the crying and things like that, that, that could drain you, you know, yeah. it, it can really drain you. So, um, so yeah, so I think, I just think having that experience has really helped me, you know, and like it's a testament, Nick, to just don't give up your dreams that you got to keep pushing away. You yeah. know, it's easy for people to say no, it's hard to say yes, but there's always that one yes. All you need is one, yeah. one yes. And that's, that's the hope we all live in, right? As filmmakers, it's like we just need that one. You just need that one person that that has that power to say yes or whatever, and you're you're off to the races, you know. And that's what keeps that's kind of the gas that fuels the tank, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, on that note, Kevin, this has been a yeah. tremendous interview. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Nick. Thank you for having me back again. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Let's do it again when Oak comes out. <laughs> Sounds good to me, buddy. Cool, man. Thank you again. Okay. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. All right, here as always are some key takeaways from this conversation with Kevin Lewis. Number one, 
hook them from the beginning. Pay close attention to the opening sequence of The Accursed. It's not only riveting, but it's a fully developed story in about five minutes. This is not only a pretty badass way to open a movie from a narrative perspective, but it's what hooked Kevin into jumping on board when he first read the script. Whether you're a writer or director, hooking the audience in the first five minutes can be very powerful, especially in horror. I really recommend studying the opening sequence of The Accursed in this context, as it's a masterful example. Number two, and this is a big one, know what's important. In his years of directing, Kevin has learned that one of the most important skills a good director has is understanding where to invest in each movie. Not just money, but time, effort, energy, and focus. When making movies, you likely won't nail every ambition you have with each film. But you need to take an inventory of what's most important for each individual movie and its production value, and then prioritize those things above all else, especially when you're on a budget. To not do that makes you subject to being spread too thin and your movie being flat. If you get just a few things really right on your movie, your audience will likely forgive just about everything else. But it's important to know what those things are that will make the most impact. There's that saying, if you chase two rabbits, you won't catch either one. Don't try to nail everything on every movie. Figure out what's most important and focus obsessively on those things. Number three, another big one, live your life. When it comes to a career in film, living a fulfilling and interesting life is important, not only for the sake of your creativity, but for the sake of your longevity. As Kevin stated, the movie industry is tough and ruthless, and if you let it rule your life, it will run you into the ground and burn you out. At age 51, Kevin is having his heyday with a killer one-two punch between Willy's Wonderland and Now the Accursed, and multiple more movies on the way. Kevin is also a father of four and has lived his life his own way without letting the industry wear him into the ground. In other words, he didn't feel the need to sell his soul to Hollywood and sacrifice what mattered to him most. And I think that's a huge lesson. Clearly, it's critical to be obsessively dedicated to your filmmaking craft, but detaching from this very grueling industry will not only re-energize you, but make you less desperate and more likely for your mind to be open and objective enough to put your best work into your project. Anyway, thank you as always for listening. If you want to hear more from Kevin, go back and check out episode 72, which is way more comprehensive about Kevin's backstory and the making of Willy's Wonderland. Also, don't forget to check out The Accursed, streaming on VOD beginning tomorrow, October 14th. I promise you will not be disappointed. Thank you as always for listening. If you enjoy this episode, why not share it with your friends and family on social media? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor and on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening to The Nick Taylor Horror Show. Oh, 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 oh,